Escuchen. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. Current events, local, world news, and what's trending. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Thank you for joining me this morning at 10 a.m. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope everybody had a good week. Everybody had a safe week out there in around Canada and all around the world. So this morning, you know, um, just the past couple of days, um, we um, here in Canada, um, a had um, you know lost a very very important person um, to the the Gretzky family. Walter Gretzky has passed away. For those who don't know him or have heard of him, he is the father of Wayne Gretzky, the best hockey player in the world. I just wanted to touch on this story um, and then we'll get on with the uh, the rest of the show. I just feel that this is important um, for people around the world to kind of get a perspective of who Wayne Gretzky's father was. The first families of on ice greatness means more to the game than simply records and numbers. So the statistical dominance, predominance, the historic amazing of trophies. No one represents the aspect of the sport better than its most prolific scorer for Wayne Gretzky. But the heart of the game, what it looks like under the bright lights of the National Hockey League. But in the dimmer glow of community rinks dotted throughout the country that calls to mind the memory of another with the surname Walter Bresky. Hockey's most beloved hockey dad. He had passed away at the age of 82, just this past Thursday. It's perhaps an indication of just how pivotal a figure Wayne became in hockey, that his father, Walter, was eventually owed not just his own chapter in that tale, but a tale of his own altogether. But even a brief moment spent with Walter would answer the questions of whether the elder Gretzky 
a national treasure status was owed simply to being the father of the great one. Or if it was something more. It is often said that you will be remembered for what you do for others. And Walter Kresge will be remembered forever. Never too busy to take a photo or sign an autograph. Walter's left a lasting impression on everyone he met, and he will be forever be Canada's hockey dad. Bob Coyne has three decades worth of fond memories along Walter that suggest it's the latter. Walter was always a people person. He would always reach out and have a hand to shake and a time to say hello. Whether it be adults, whether it be little kids or just anybody he came across. It didn't matter whether he knew you or not. He is a longtime friend of the Gretzky's. Coyne's first introduction to the family would alone suffice as evidence of Walter's character. It was in the mid 80s when Coyne, then working at a Brantford, Ontario's W.S. Uh, Ross McDonald School for the Blind, first got a call to inform him that Walter and Wayne were hoping to connect with the school. Wayne had met two students from, from this school. Not long, not long before then, he decided he wanted to lend his family support. So Coyne and uh, Wayne Gretzky's Tennis Classic Charity event was born. But a single act of kindness wasn't enough for Walter. He became a lifelong supporter. Traveled around Ontario gathering broken hockey sticks for the school's uh, shop teachers to craft into benches and continuing to Returned to the school, even in into his later in his life. You know, once again, Walter wasn't content to simply dabble. His earning to help, nurture and to teach was so strong. It started working alongside Coyne on a near daily basis. The kids just hero worshiped him. Even though Wayne was long gone out of Bramford, everyone knew the name, obviously Wayne Gresky and his dad, wow. They were just thrilled to have him. Soon Walter and Coyne moved from younger skaters to coaching a AAA novice team together and wound up at the annual tournament that swept up the town every Christmas. 
Walter was always on hand every year for years to present trophies and medals to the winners of the Wayne Gretzky International Ice Hockey Tournament. But never had he won a medal. Well, here we are. We've got a novice triple A team. We entered it in the tournament. And we won it. Having Walter presenting the medals to himself made a big joke about it. We had a lot of fun, he said, but it really bonded the two of us together. Now, you know, Walter Gretzky, you know, was a, was a father. He was a mentor. He was a teacher. He was kind and considerate. And always involved in so many different things. You know, I was listening to the radio station the other morning and people uh, were calling in um, who had the honor to meet Walter Gretzky. They had stories to tell when they were sitting in a restaurant. And Walter Gretzky would just come up to your table and ask, how are you doing? And take the time to talk to you. He was a person, you know, that um, he was a people lover. He loved to be around people all the time. He never shied away from a conversation. He never shied away from approaching anybody. The little thing about here too, about Walter Gretzky. There's one game that recalled by coin. It was a deciding game. Loser goes home, winner goes to the next level. We won, so Niagara Falls were going home. They're per you know, they're just little kids and they were taking it pretty hard. As Coyne and Walter were heading back to their car after the game, they spotted a young boy from the opposing club having a particularly tough time with the loss. Here's a little boy standing at the trunk of his dad's car. They're putting the gear in the car. The little kid is just crying his heart out. Walter walked up to him and said, what's going on here? Why are you crying? The little boy said, we lost, he said and we didn't want to lose. Now there's no more hockey. Walter looks at me and says, Bob, this isn't right. These little kids can't feel that bad about losing. I'll tell you what we're gonna do. 
The elder Gretzky took off back through the arena doors, down the hall, and into the Niagara Falls dressing room. Look, kids, hockey got hockey has to be fun. Corn remembers Walter telling the players and the parents gathered in the room that this is the opposing team that lost. We shouldn't have tears about losing. I understand losing what losing means. We gotta create fun out of this. Hey, thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Doug from London, Ontario, Canada. I was just going over this story here. Um, you may or may um, know a little bit about hockey or a lot about hockey. You've heard the name, probably Wayne Gretzky, greatest hockey player to ever strap on the skates. His father, Walter Gretzky, had just passed away the other day. Here in Canada, we recognize Walter Gretzky as the hockey dad of Canada. How generous this man was, how kind he was, how passionate he was, how friendly he was. He never shied away from just walking up to you just to talk to you. Thousands of people would meet him. He would sign autographs and have a picture taken with him. Yeah, it is. So this little story here that I was, you know, um, going over um, this part of the story here is where um, Co uh, Coyne and uh, Mr. Walter Gretzky were coaching a team and um, they won the game so the, the team from Niagara uh, Falls they lost. Well, he passed away of 82 you know, um, he had some health issues. Um, so, you know, it's unfortunate. You know, so, but he, so this uh, gentleman here that's known the Gretzky's all his life. And um, this one particular story of when they won this hockey team, uh, won this hockey game and, and the other team you know, it was the end of the series. And uh, so Walter Gretzky and, and Coyne's team moves on. So when uh, they were leaving the arena, they see this little boy crying who was on the, uh, the opposing team who lost. And Walter Gretzky walked up to him and asked him, what's wrong, why are you crying? And he says, well, we lost the game and now there's going to be no more hockey. So Walter Gretzky went back into the arena and went to the opposing dressing room. And the parents and the kids. And he said to them, he says, look, kids. Hockey's got to be fun. Walter was telling the parents and the kids in the room, 
We shouldn't have tears about losing. I understand what losing means. We got to create fun out of this. And he says, I want everybody to come out into the parking lot. Get in your cars and follow me. We're going to go over to my house now. We're going to go down into the basement. We're going to see all of Wayne's trophies. We're going to see Wayne's hockey sweaters and other players' sweaters. We're going to have a great time with the kids. The other parents didn't know what quite to do. But the offer wasn't one to be passed up. Imagine that. You know, he invites you to the house. So 72 people arrive at the, at the Gretzky's home in Brantford, Ontario. 72 people that night went into the basement and Walter made sure that every kid got to try on Wayne's hockey sweater and see his gloves and pick up his skates and see his medals. That's Wally, he says. I can't imagine a lot of other hockey dads going to that kind of trouble. They just wouldn't have. What an amazing, what an amazing man, you know, and the kindness that he had towards other people to invite a hockey team, they beat the kids and the parents back to their house. And to try on Wayne Gretzky sweaters and, and, and have pictures taken with Walter Gretzky. That's pretty amazing. You know, Walter Gretzky will always be known as Canada's hockey dad. Now, with this, um, you know, as the uh, the coronavirus vaccine um, is rolling out, um, governments around all over Canada are mauling the idea of stretching the intervals between COVID-19 vaccine doses up to four months. So if anybody has gotten their first shot of the Pfizer or the Moderna, that you could potentially be waiting four months for your second dose. Now, for the first doses of the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine are 92% effective according to the clinical trials. Now, British Columbia, out on the west coast of Canada, is mulling that idea of up to four months that you would have to wait for your second shot. And the reason being is they're trying to get as many 
needles in the arms as they possibly can. Now, Canada's National Advisory Committee, uh, Committee on Immunization now says the maximum interval between the first and second doses of all three COVID-19 vaccine approved for use in Canada should increase to four months in order to boost the number of Canadians being vaccinated. We know the recommendations of Pfizer and Moderna because this is how they did their, their trials on the two-dose regimen, uh, regimen being, you know, up to 27 days after the first shot. So here in Ontario, they're mauling the idea as well. that it could be up to um, four months that you have to get, you may get the second shot, but they haven't came to any decisions on that as of yet. Do you think that this is a good idea to extend the time from the first dose to the second dose to four months? Do we know enough about the vaccines that this is adequate? The second dose is, is supposed to be the booster that brings the Pfizer vaccine to a 95% effectively. I think the Moderna with the second shot, I think it brings it to probably about a 94% effective rate. Or maybe because, you know, you get the first shot and, you know, waiting this prolonged period of time, maybe, you know, it gives it time to become more effective. That's a question that the government has to be asking themselves. When Pfizer and Moderna says, this is how this should be rolled out, this is how the shots should be given, this is how we did our trials. You know, it's not like Pfizer and Moderna turned around and, and did one shot and four months later did the second shot. That's not how the trials were done. That's not how, you know, they know how, how, how effective this is. Now, if the government here in Ontario suggests or does, say now we're going to wait four months for the second shot so we get more needles in the arms of people here in Ontario. 
Now, just in case, you know, we start seeing increases of this virus, should then we be going back into lockdown, stay at home or? Yes, we're going to have to follow the other mandated rules of wearing a mask, social distancing, sanitizing your hands, don't gather in large groups. But as needles are getting into the arms of Canadians and we're slowly pulling out of these lockdown orders and stay-at-home orders across the province, by waiting four months for the second shot, could this potentially just be moving us back backwards? into lockdowns again. We can't afford to stay in lockdown, stay at home orders. We can't afford it. And not just on the uh, economical portion of lockdowns and stuff like that, the mental health of people, the finances, So if the government wants to play roulette, then we then we need not to have shutdowns, be locked down again. How much do we understand and how much does the government understand about these vaccines? Now, here in Canada, we're going to have four vaccines going to be available. Johnson & Johnson has just been approved for use here in Canada. Single shot and you're done. When they will start rolling out, probably could be the middle of March. It could be the end of March when the uh, Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine starts rolling out. So when we talk, of, so the studies that they did, of course, you know, with Moderna and, and the Pfizer, you know, the studies show that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine started providing some level of protection 12 to 14 days after the first dose. By the time the second dose was administered, 19 to 42 days after the first, the first shot was shown to be 92% effective. So, 92% effective is, is not bad, I guess. But, it, you know, the Pfizer and the Moderna is, you know, the ones that require the second dose. And when Pfizer and Moderna rec have the recommendations, and this is how Health Canada passed these vaccines into use by the recommendations and the studies done 
to get these vaccines into the arms of Canadians. So why is the government coming along and started mulling around with how long they're going to make people wait for their second shot? I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist. But they do know that everybody's immune system is different. Stronger or weaker. We have the most vulnerable people in our society of our of our elders. Meaning people 80 years in age and older. People who live in retirement homes and nursing homes. How can we say to them that you have to wait four months now for your second shot? You know, because they're the first ones who need to be taken care of. One of the first ones to get the first dose and they should be getting the second dose at the time scheduled. For young people, it may be different. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe they can wait longer, the younger people. People who have strong immune systems. Could potentially wait the four months for the second shot if you had received the Moderna or the Pfizer. I understand that the government wants to get as many needles in the arms as possible. Like everybody else, we want out of this pandemic. We want to be able to go on with our lives as what we know in it before this pandemic hit. In about another week, is going to mark one year when we first went into lockdown. And as regions around Ontario here start to open up using the color codes that we are using here in Ontario, from the green, the yellow, the orange, the red, the gray, can we sustain this? If, in fact, the government here in Ontario decides to say, okay, who's ever had their first shot of the Pfizer now has to wait four months. Just on Friday, Ontario recorded just a little over 3,000 more cases of COVID. Or Canada, I'm sorry. But, you know, 
here in Ontario, you know, because, you know, Quebec used to have the most cases. Now Ontario. Here in the city of London, just the other day, at the University of Western Ontario, seven students tested positive for COVID-19. We're in single digits. Here in the city of London until that happened. Now we're recording double digits. How long can small businesses endure these lockdowns? How long can citizens of this country endure them? Unemployment rate never seen before since the Great Depression. How many businesses are going to be able to recover? How many businesses have we lost permanently? And people out of work, and, and for those people who are going back to work, they're not getting their full-time hours. People who work in the food industry, restaurant industries, fast food industries. You hear people talking about they're only getting 20, maybe 25 hours a week. Yes, they can still collect their EI. But how long can we continue, or how long can the government continue of all this spending? It's great that Canada has stepped up and helped all Canadians who needed help. That's just fantastic. For those who needed to, to uh, get the, the CERB, and other payouts for, for for the uh, self-employed to help their businesses. Billions of dollars has been spent. Billions. And the extension on all these benefits that the government is providing. From all us taxpayers. And who's going to pay for this in the end? You know, our taxes, are our taxes going to go up in the coming years in order to flip the bill? I like to see as many people getting the vaccine as possible. I like to see the government sticking to the regimen as put out by Pfizer and Moderna. Here already, they're already reaching out to people in the population 
of, of, of 80 years and older who live in the community, who are not living in a retirement home or a nursing home. In one single day, when they announced that here in the city of London, they received over 200,000 phone calls for people trying to book their appointment for their first shot of people who are 80 years and older. They're now booked up for the next two weeks. And I won't be too surprised it would be booked up for the entire month in another week for the elders who live in the community, who live in their own homes in order to get their first shot of the vaccine. And then them hearing about the government may want to extend the first shot or the second shot four months down the road. You know, how long are we going to be able to, you know, stay open? Here in the city of London, it, uh, we are in the orange restrict. Now, I haven't seen how long they're going to keep us there. If it's going to be, you know, every two weeks, are they going to, are they going to look at the numbers? and decide whether we, you know, can move to yellow or potentially maybe we'd have to go back into the red control. Is flip-flopping around between these, these color codes any good for us? I never heard of a small business have an outbreak. I know Walmarts have. Walmarts here in the city of, of London has had an outbreak. The great Canadian uh, superstore has had outbreaks in the past, over, over the year of this pandemic. Small restaurants, I don't, you know, I don't recall hearing anything of any outbreaks. Over the summertime when, when they were able to have people on their patios and people inside. But the big box stores, get to reap all the benefits. They're in shutdown. Where your other clothing stores throughout the malls we go shopping at had to close down in Walmart, Costco, 
All these places got to sell all their wares. Business owners all over the country, you know, opening up under the restriction and only being fined for doing so. I always felt that small business had, had a better, uh, could have and, and would have a better plan in place than these big box stores. Contact tracing. Crowd control. I mean, because we've all seen it. We've all we've all seen at the big at the big Costco's people going shopping and they're all lined up down the street and around the corner. We've all seen it on the news. And you can go in there and buy anything that you want from from food to clothing to appliances, furniture, whatever the case may be. But the little guy had to close. I don't know how well these online orders went for these small businesses. For some, and they may have fared well for others. Now, how many businesses are we going to lose at the end of the day? So the government wants to turn around and start change course. Hopefully, we don't have to return to lockdowns because people are going to be really upset. We're upset enough. We all have COVID fatigue, all of us. Even though we're opening up here across Ontario, we still say only go out if necessary. Now that the movie theaters are open, is that necessary to go to the movies? Now that you can have more people in restaurants, does that mean now we just go? Is that essential? Businesses need us. They need us really bad. You know, when the governments make these decisions on these lockdowns and these stay-at-home orders, I mean, they, they generally are following um, the recommendations by healthcare professionals. Now, are the governments thinking about maybe you know we should have you know these regiments now four months apart 
you know, is, is it because um, right now there's not enough vaccines to go around, so they want to get it in as many arms as possible? Is it because they wanted to get into many arms as possible to get more people protected and to continue to open the economy? Are they taking this advice from healthcare professionals? Are they taking this advice from, from Moderna and Pfizer. I mean, what are we at? The 6th of March? They're hoping by the end of March, I think they're talking about even with Pfizer, I think they're looking at about an I don't know, over three more, three million more doses uh, of, of Pfizer coming into into the country, and of course that's all got to be delivered all over the country here in Canada, Northwest Territories, Nunavut. Now that the, these these uh, vaccines can be stored at regular freezer temperatures, it's better for transportation. You know, we look to our governments for the for the best outcome. You know, one year, you know, into this pandemic, and still seeing cases in some places on the rise. How long is it going to take us to get out of this? Summertime? Fall time? The end of the year? And as more shots goes into the arms, how much more freedom are we going to have? How long will we have to wear masks in indoor public spaces? I mean, I don't have a problem wearing a mask. You know, I'm actually used to it now. It's just become second nature. You know, when I get out of my car to go into someplace, you know, my mask is already on. sanitize my hands when I walk into the buildings I go into. And when I leave, I wipe down my car on the inside. I go to work. 
same thing. You know, because, you know, being a truck driver, I come in contact with, with a lot of people. Other places that I go to, you know, you'll see this, the, the shipper briefly. And once you're loaded, the paperwork will be on the back of the trailer. Other places, you can wait inside. No bathroom facilities, though, for truck drivers. That's still going on. Some places you can because it's just right inside the shipping receiving doors. But a lot of places is still posted on their doors. No washrooms for truck drivers. I'm glad I don't do long haul anymore. I like being local. I like being home. But I guess we're going to have to wait and see what kind of decisions the government here in Ontario is going to make. British Columbia, out west. I think that's the, the, the decision that they have made on the regiments of, of the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines that after your first shot, you'll have to wait four months for your second dose. Now, their cases aren't nearly as high as they are here in Ontario. I think, you know, we're, we are somewhere around like 311,000 cases here in Ontario, you know, compared to Quebec is just uh, uh, in the 280,000 or so cases in that province. They're looking at opening up more of Quebec in the coming weeks. So I don't know how you feel about it, you know, here in Canada. Um, if in fact that you would have to wait four months after your first dose. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I mean, if that's the case, that's the case. I mean, what are we to do, right? More needles in the arms. Could be a great idea, it could work. Or it could backfire. Hopefully it's the latter. And spring is on its way, not long, not long at all, 14 more days, two more weeks. Hopefully spring is spring is nice, people can get outside more. 
the last few days hasn't been too bad. We've had some nice, some nice mild weather here. You know, but even though we can get out more, we can, you know, um, do more things. But we still have to, you know, follow the rules. You know, as, as as we're told every day, every single day, you know, we're reminded about wearing your mask, social distance, don't gather in large groups. Sanitize your hands on a regular basis. see where we go from here as these vaccines start rolling out hopefully we don't have any setbacks like we did at the beginning and we can keep rolling keep rolling ahead with these vaccines and i think i think the governments need to do more research and find out whether these these uh, regimens that they're thinking about doing are the right way to go. So hopefully, hopefully they get their answers. Hopefully they make the right decisions, and hopefully we can just get back to our lives. You know, and we can overcome this COVID fatigue that we're all experiencing. So thank you for joining me this morning, ladies and gentlemen. I will be back out um, tomorrow morning at uh, 10 a.m. And I wanted to... Um, Get on this topic, um, and, and and touch briefly about it of mental health and the stigma uh, behind it and the awareness. So I hope you can join me for that. And until then, have your Self a great Saturday. Behave yourselves out there, ladies and gentlemen. So you don't get into trouble. You don't get fines for doing things you're not supposed to be doing out there. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Take care, enjoy your weekend, and be safe. And thank you.